Amen. Right on. Hey, that is so life every day. It's like, oh, we got a little bit better. Or sometimes we start a day and it starts in the same thing. You're like, oh my gosh, are we going to do this again? Uh, but God has called us to be better. Uh, I was saying at the beginning of this series, there's two things I didn't want to happen in this series. The first thing being, I didn't want us to go, oh, we're going to look in this series at principles and th promises that God gave us and, uh, and then decide, hey, we're going to be better through like self-help. You know, we'll just look at some of these things and we'll work them in a way that it's like just us helping ourselves be better. I wanted God to lead us into a better life, into the way things that it has for us. But the other thing I didn't want to happen is I didn't want us to walk away from this series going, hey, we're better than everybody else because we're Christians. Look at us. We're elite. God called us to be better. So I'm better than you and better than that group. And, and we're better. So I didn't want that to happen. But the thing about it is the scripture is very clear that when you follow the laws and principles and practices that God puts in place in his word, that it does promise you a better kind of life. The scripture says that Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you in abundance or better. There's a better quality of living when you live inside the principles and the boundaries that God has laid out for us. And so, so often there's times that we get in this ditch and we go, how did we get here? And you can point back to the ways that we got away from the ways that God created us to live. And so God's way is always making us better and better people and better wives and better husbands and better uh, business owners and all these things. And so the idea is to be better. And, uh, and to have the better kind of life. The scripture even says at different times that he's called us to be the head and not the tail, meaning you are called to be winners in this life. Amen. And uh, so today, uh, practically, uh, I really wanted to look at some very practical ways that we can maintain living better or living a better kind of life. And really, if we don't have this, what I'm about to talk about, then the rest of the weeks really don't matter. I mean, this is the covering to everything. And so today I want to talk about prayer. Uh, prayer is the number one topic that I uh, have preached about in this church. If you look about the times that I've preached on prayer uh, repetitively over the time that we've been a church, this actually holds the most dedicated sermons. Now, I would actually, in a very honest moment, I would say uh, I'm probably not a like prayer leader in terms of I have this great like model and everyone should come listen to me and like this is my ritual and my thing. Uh, I try to live prayer out and I'll explain it here in a minute. It's just an everyday part of my life and thinking in moments. I just try to keep uh, what I do prayer. I try to keep what I do prayer, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And, uh, and so I just realized that prayer, literally you can build the house, set the floor, put all the furnishings in there, all that. But if a house doesn't have a roof, you're going to ruin what you built. And it's the same thing in our prayer life. You can put everything together in your life, but if you don't put a roof of prayer over that, if you don't put a covering, then it's all for naught. Amen. And so this is a really profound statement that I'm going to make right here. And you can put it on my tombstone or maybe on the back of my book. And uh, it's a really great poetic thing. But you can't be better without spending time with the betterer. Okay? And that's the truth. That's the best way that I could think of saying it is like we can't talk about being better. We can't look at how to be better. We can't look at unless we understand that we have to have all kinds of time in our life spending time communicating with the one who can make us better. Amen. But sadly, we see in the average Christian, statistically, the average American Christian spends less than 10 minutes a day in prayer. They say that you will spend more time preparing food in a day than you will communicating with your creator. Literally in your life, they say that statistically, you'll spend more time getting dressed than you will in prayer, that 10 minutes. 
And so, of course, I'm not here to judge anybody or anything like that. But statistically, it's saying we put more importance on the food that we prepare or the articles of clothing that we're about to put on. How much more important is it that we should spend time preparing our spiritual lives in our prayer life and talking to our creator, you know, we all get real excited. We say, I know God's got a plan for my life and a future and a hope and all this kind of stuff. But then we don't spend any time talking to him about that. Amen. And so it's so important for us to be a people of prayer. Now, what's interesting for me is religion has made prayer a chore, right? You get taught to do the practice of prayer, but prayer is not a practice. It's not a chore. Prayer should be who we are and how we function. Prayer really is just relationship with God. It's an identification of who he is in your life and communing. How many of you know you don't, and we do practice relationship uh, with, with our spouses, but people in our life, you never have the mindset who you love, people who you love. You never have the mindset of like, oh, I ought to go. You just do life together. How many of you are with me? You talk and you engage and you share. Why? Because you love one another and it takes place in your life. That's what our relationship with God and our prayer life with God should be. God should be a so part of everything that we do that you're constantly in this communication, in this place of prayer and intercession and communication. Now, those are big church words, but what does that mean? It means that in your life, you're in a place where you are connecting and interacting with God. So uh, for me, I've learned, I used to get burdened with, uh, man, there's all this whole prayer list. And we read Mark Batterson, The Circle Maker, which is a great book on prayer. Uh, but he talks about all these lists and things you should circle. And so for a while in my phone, I had this checklist of all these prayers and people. Because and, I pray for you guys. Some of you guys, I really spend time praying for you. Some of you I really pray for. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I got all these checklists and stuff. Finally, I just realized, like, I just need to pray throughout my day because it can be overwhelming if you sit down and try to do the chore of prayer. But instead, I'll drive to a meeting, and before I get to the meeting, I'll say, hey, God, you know, got this meeting, this thing's going on, um, pray about it. And then the meeting gets done, hey, God, you saw how that went, um, that person's still being an idiot, will you help me get that person to stop being an idiot? But you know what I'm saying, I'll go, and then after, and I'm in this like dance of prayer. And we love to make it a checklist and a chore, and religion has narrowed it down to this practice but it really, it's a living being. Prayer is just what we do. It's who we are. That's why the scripture says that you can pray without ceasing. What does that mean? It means that you're just in a place of prayer. Amen? And so that's where we got to get to. I, uh, in my life, I've just come to the point where uh, prayer people get my attention. Prayer people are the people who get my attention. Everybody gets my attention. But prayer people are what you know, kind of get my ears to perk up. Uh, some people come and say, well, I heard this sermon and I want to tell you about it. Or, oh, I've read this book or I went to this conference and I want to tell you this. Or, I want to tell you that. And I wanted to... But when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I I've been praying for you and I've been praying about this. I say, oh, I'm going to listen to that. There's just something. And, I, and some people come to you and say, uh, I've been praying for you. I really want to get you to do what I want you to do. You know, there's like a real religious, I've been praying for you, you know, right? Like I've been in prayer about this. I need you to do what I want you to do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody sweet and humble and comes to me and says, I've been, amen. Yeah. I've been, I'm, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for the church. I've been praying. That gets my attention because I know that that's a person who, who spent time with the father, spent time with God, getting the real download. Amen. Last night, uh, I went to bed about midnight, and before I did, I let my dogs out. We have a golden retriever and a yellow lab, and um, let them out the backyard, and we have a wooded uh, area behind us, so we don't have houses behind us or anything, and so uh, I went out there, and it was an infestation of fireflies. 
Uh, I don't know if any of you were out last night. I don't know if it's because the rain was coming or the humidity or whatever. Uh, but I went out there and it literally was like, oh my gosh, you know, look at this. This is crazy. And there were so many fireflies and it was just spectacular. And so I literally in that moment had this like, and many of you have done this too. Maybe you were out on the lake. Maybe you were like up in a dune or something. But you just have this moment, this internal realization of like, our creator is incredible. Like, this is amazing. I can't believe this. Look at the lake. Look at the da-da. What that actually is, what's happening when you're doing that, is that's worship. You're identifying God as amazing. That's your insight. You're worshiping. So even for me last night, you know, I'm walking out there and, and I see all this stuff. And my heart goes, wow, look at this. This is amazing. This is, look what God has done. And so e- even in a way you could exaggerate, and it's not an exaggeration, you could say, my heart prayed like, God, wow, thank you. Even on the inside of me, God, wow, thank you. Look at this. You made fireflies. Why did you make fireflies? Because I'm a person who would be in awe of that. So, uh, you know, so then at this point, uh, my daughter, of course, is sleeping. Uh, it was midnight, so she went to bed about 20 minutes earlier, if you know my daughter. <laughs> so I'm now calculating, oh, my gosh. Like, how can I go get Caroline? She's three and a half. How can I go get Caroline out of bed without getting in trouble with my wife? Like, how can I show her this without being in the doghouse? Why? Because me as a father, I wanted to share in that with my child. I wanted to be in what I enjoyed, what I cared about, what meant something to me. I wanted to pass on to my kids. And that's relationship, that's exchange, that's prayer, that's, that's communing with one another. It meant something to me in here, so I want to make sure it means something to you here. That's what our prayer life should be with God. This identification of, hey, this meeting means something, or hey, this thing means something. Or, and so, God, I want to make sure you're involved in it and participate in it. Literally, God created the earth to be that way. In the garden, he creates the garden in Genesis, and he says, hey, uh, I'm in the cool. His scripture says that he walks in the cool of day with us, that his voice was in the garden. What was he doing? He was going with Adam and Eve, going, look at the fireflies. Look at this, this. Look at this, this. And they were in this engaged life together. And some could call that they engaged in communication, almost a prayer life. Amen. And just being in relationship and communication. Now, there's more practical ways to prayer where there's corporate prayer and all these different kinds of prayers. But I'm just saying when your heart and your mind and your words are connecting with your father who you have relationship with, that's prayer. Don't just make it this checklist. Make it in a, a way that you live in identification of God as God in my life. Amen. We shouldn't make it a chore. So I have five points for you uh, on prayer. And I realize we've all heard prayer sermons. We've all heard all this. So I hope they're a little bit different. But point number one is this. God should be your first choice in life. And I'm going to explain it here in a minute. But when it comes to prayer, God should be our first choice. The scripture says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. We love the added to you part. We love all that. But what it's saying is make sure God is first thought in your life. Now, my wife, uh, she loves people, and she loves texting. And, uh, and, and I'm just, you guys can laugh because everybody, every time I talk about her, you guys get uncomfortable like I'm going to be in trouble. And... Uh, <laughs> Maybe sometimes that's true, but that's none of your business. So, but here's what she does. And, and, and a bunch of you women that are in here do this too, because you're in this group message as well. 
So here's the, so she's got all these group messages. She's got group messages with, with crafting people. And there's like crafting people in this group message. There's, there's uh, running people that are in it. There, uh, she's got a group that is labeled, uh, I'm so mad at my husband today group. And they all just banter about their husband. And are you in that one, Nicole? You laugh pretty loud. I think she's in that one. She doesn't have one labeled that. I'm exaggerating. But I laugh at these ladies because they do this. My wife's like, oh, my gosh, you guys, look at this. She'll send a picture. I found this craft. I think I'm going to make this craft. What do you guys think about this craft? She sends it over, and they talk about it, and they're exchanging throughout the day how they're going to do the craft and how would you do the craft and what color. And did it. Then she makes the craft and takes a picture of it, sends it back to her. I finished the craft. Look at the craft, everybody. I got the craft done. It's like bantering and bantering. Then a running one. Hey, I'm going to run today. What kind of shoes do you think I should wear? Should I wear these ones? I don't know. What's the sun with the thing? Hey, I ran. I wore these shoes. It worked out. I did this and I did that. I'm just like, oh my gosh. But in her heart, what she's doing with that, she's doing life with people. It's at the front of who she cares about. So her craft people, she's got something that she cares about and her run people and all this. Kind of stuff. And, and so what, that, that's this scripture, Matthew 16. God is saying, hey, Keep me at the front of your group message. Keep me in the loop that when you get excited about a craft thing or you get excited about a thing, that's how we relate and communicate with God. Keep him first in everything that you do. I don't understand it. I would never say, hey, John, uh, thinking about mowing the lawn today, I might go horizontal stripe. I might go diagonal, take a picture. What do you think I should do? Hey, after I'm done, I went vertical lines. You know, what do you think about that? Should I pressure wash the thing or just hose it off? What do you think? I pressure wash it. What do you think? Does it look good? doesn't make sense to me, does it, you, John? Okay, he's in the group. He didn't answer, so he's in one of your groups. Actually, you're in the crafting group. True story, John. Tell your people, were you texting my wife about crafts this week? Okay, then you're in the group. You were in one of the groups. But I'm being serious about it's so natural for us to live a prayer life. I just want us to see how natural it is to live a prayer life. It's just keeping God at the front of everything. It's just keeping him in a place where you're sharing and you're engaging. And you're making sure that he's in the loop on everything that we do. It's seeking him first in his ways and then everything else is added. And the reason that's important is because God says in James chapter 4, he says that uh, you have not because you ask not. So God's up there just can't wait to, to be on your behalf and to provide for you and to interact with you. Keep me first. Everything else will be added to you. You have to come and you have to ask and engage and interact. Isn't it interesting that God's just waiting to move on our behalf and we only offer up 10 minutes a day to him? No, he, you have not because he asked not. You're not even spending 10 minutes. And I'm not talking about you guys. I'm just saying the national average. I get it. We all get busy. But I'm just saying we got a God. It, there's nothing more frustrating in my life. I can, I can deal with my kids making a mess and I can deal with them being noisy and destroying things. And I can deal with all the stuff that comes with, with kids. But the one thing that I have a most short fuse for, and I have a three and a half year old is when she cries or whines or fusses, but doesn't tell me what it's about. I mean, no, that's so frustrating. I mean, it's like the scene from the Anchorman where he's in the telephone booth and he's just going, Baxter, they punted Baxter. I'm glad you guys are so saved. They're so saved, all of them here. You guys are so saved and holy and righteous. Well, I occasionally watch funny movies, and um, there's a scene in there. Hunter, right? It's a good one? Yeah. Anyway. But our kids come to us, and we go, and they're just, oh, man, and they whine, and I just say, stop. Tell me what you need whining and crying and fussing and carrying on about it without asking me what you need. I'm never going to be able to help you. 
And how many of us get out of bed and we, ah, in our life, we get anxiety and stressed and freaked out and all this kind of stuff. And God's going like, will you just tell me how I can help you? Somebody say amen. And so God is up there saying, hey, I, I want to help you. You just have to ask me. Amen. Number two, when we pray, number two, we have to mean it. I know that sounds ridiculous, but the scripture even talks about it in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you have them and they'll uh, believe that you've received them and you'll have them. What it's saying is here is, look, you can't just kind of throw this, you know, real weak, like God, maybe if you would, maybe if you feel in a good mood, would you pray? God's saying, attach some desire to your prayers. Be, be excited about what you're praying about. Be passionate about it. God is up there waiting to move on our behalf, and, and he's saying, pray with some desire. The scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yeah. Attach some faith to our prayer. you got to mean it when you pray, amen? you got to come in caring about it. The scripture says this, that tomorrow is promised to no man. And we always think of that as like a really good, you could die in a car crash tonight. Tomorrow is promised to no man. But things in your life aren't promised to you tomorrow we got to pray with some passion, some things into our lives and into our future. Amen. There's no guarantees. So the next day we got to pray protection and we got to pray wisdom and we got to ask for grace. And, and tomorrow's not promised to anybody. We got to make sure we put it there in prayer. Amen. Point number three, the body of Christ was meant to be a place of prayer. Uh, we see uh, in scripture, Jesus gets insanely angry. He shows up at the temple, and the scripture says that they've turned the temple into a place of profit. And you see Jesus comes in, and he's turning over tables, he's breaking tables, uh, he's just going crazy in the temple. And you can see in Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, he says, It is written, He said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The body of Christ, us, we're meant to be a house of prayer. We are meant to be a people who pray. The body of Christ, you, me, us, our temples, we're meant to be people who are praying. I don't think God's design about calling us houses of prayer was meant for us to just give up 10 minutes here and there, a little bit of prayer. God's called us to be a house, a body of prayer. Amen? I love this. Charles Spurgeon said this about prayer. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, a great revivalist, a great uh, man of God, had incredible miracles in ministry, uh, very well-known uh, minister. He said this, he said that prayer is cooperating with God, which we would all agree. Yeah, prayer is cooperating with God. But then he says it again this way. He says, prayer is co-operating with God. When we pray, it's not God, I'm going to uh, figure this out so that I can go operate on my own. We find places of prayer in our life so that we can make sure we're co-operating with God. I don't want to try to do this by my own hand, my own will, my own way. I'm going to make sure I get to a place where I hear from God so that we can cooperate in this thing in life. Amen. Yeah. I love this. They uh, had all these in one of his books mentioned about him. It says that uh, he used to have all these great people uh, and ministers and different ministries would come to his church and they would they would want to find the secret about his great ministry. What is it? And so they would come and they would say, you know, maybe it's the music or maybe it's the way they do this. And, you know, we just want to come see 
Uh, maybe it's the way the staff is conducted, or maybe it's this or that. And so when people would get there, they would take them into the basement of the church or the cellar of the church, and, and they'd say, hey, we're going to show you the secret uh, to this place and to, and to the success of God's hand on this church. And, and so as they'd get closer, you'd hear the noise, and you'd hear commotion, and people think, well, maybe that's great businessmen gathered, and they're passionately talking about uh, ways to be successful, or maybe it's this, that, or the other. But as they got closer, they found that it was a continual prayer room. And Charles Spurgeon said that this is the engine, prayer is the engine to every success that we have as a ministry. And that's the truth today in all of our lives. The success of your ministry, your home, is your ministry. It all comes through prayer. He said this, that prayer is the engine room. But then he said this, if the engine room is out of action, then the whole mill will grind to a halt. We cannot expect blessing if we do not ask. I wonder how many of us have stopped praying and our, uh, our whole mill has come to a halt. In our lives, our lives have come to a halt because we've stopped praying. We've stopped asking God's blessing. We've stopped asking God's participation and cooperation in our life. Somebody say amen. We have to be a people who pray. James 5.16 says that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. But before that, it says that we should confess our sins to one another. And everybody gets real tense about that. Oh, I got to come to church and I got to confess my sin to one another. What it says is it means it like this. You ought to have a place in your life where you can come and just say, man, I'm struggling. Man, it wasn't a good week. Or man, I'm dreading this week. I'm coming and confessing to you the burdens that I'm carrying. But then we get to come together with no judgment and no condemnation. And we can pray together as righteous people because there's power in that and it's effective. Amen. Yeah. I love this idea of prayer is the key of the morning and the bolt of the evening. So many of us wake up, man, it's Monday. Oh, I hate Monday. Oh, I hate Thursday or whatever your day is. The week. Oh, it's the week. <laughs> oh, it's 2016. Uh, whatever it is. But if you could wake up and say, I realize that this morning, prayer is the key for me to open the grace that I need and the compassion that I need and the forgiveness I'm going to need to be able to extend and the wisdom that I need. I'm going to wake up in a place and unlock through prayer what I need to access today. And then everything God blessed you with in the day and everything God poured out to you in a day, you can go to bed at night and say, all right, I'm going to put the bolt on all those blessings and I'm going to cover that in thankfulness. Somebody say amen. We need to be people who understand that prayer is the key of the morning and the bolt of the evening. How powerful would it be if this weekend at our Saturday morning prayer on Independence Day weekend, we came together and we prayed. Listen, it, there's nothing in it for me. We don't take an offering. There's no nothing. There's no, it's no gain for me as far as anything like that. But the gain in it for me is that I realize people are coming in and we're opening doors with keys and we're putting bolts on things and somebody say amen. How awesome would it be if we came in and, and just packed out? What if some of the best things we did as a church and the highest attended things we did as a church was our Saturday morning prayers? What would the communities look like if we, if we took those things off halt and we got those engines running again? Amen? Number four, much of our prayers should be done with our ears. Much of our prayers should be done with our ears. Scripture says this in Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The problem with our culture, I'm almost wrapping up here in a minute. The problem with our culture is this. We have noise coming out of everything, especially if you have kids. 
You got toys and TV shows and all our phones make noise and everything makes noise. I literally have a good friend of mine who inside, and no judgment on you if you have this, it's pretty cool. I'll get one someday, but they're ridiculously expensive. The inside of his shower head, so water comes out, but the inside is a speaker. And so literally in the shower, he can turn on his Bluetooth and in the shower music and whatever he wants to listen to. Like we literally can have noise everywhere that we want it. Have you ever gone away to a hotel or a campground or something? And all of a sudden you lay down and you, it's like the creepy quiet, right? God's looking for you to get to some places of creepy quiet where he can speak to you and he can, now I'm not saying he can't in the noise, but I'm just saying we need to be people that a lot of our prayer life has to do with how we listen. Amen. I'll close with this point. Number five, God's answer is always the best answer. You may be praying for something. You may be struggling. You may be just pressing on that door and pushing. You may be, and you don't get the answer you want. But I can tell you in 33 years of living that whatever the answer is, God's answer is always the best. Amen. How many of you, 10 years later, you look back and you're like, the old Garth Brooks, like, I'm so glad that was an unanswered prayer, right? I'm so glad that didn't go the way I prayed. You just have to trust our God sometimes. People say, well, what about death? You know, what about death or a passing? And, you know, of course, we just saw that on the lakeshore this past week. What about death? I don't have a great answer for death other than this. I know because I've literally been on the program, okay, of funerals for people that I prayed my butt off for. You know, I, I literally was on their funeral program and, and every day I talked to them and prayed for them and cared about them and believed with them and shared scripture with them. And then I, would, I did their funerals. But what about death? What about death? All I know is this, the only thing I wanna do in my life, especially with my kids or anybody, especially with my kids, the number one desire I have for my kids is for them to feel the most love. I want them to go to the best school. I want them to go to the best way because I want them to have the best life and feel and experience the most love. And so all I can say about death is when maybe a young one, like what happened last week, ends up passing and, and God, why did it happen? Whatever. All I know about this in heaven, in heaven, being with our savior is the highest form of love you could ever experience. Hard that we lose them. Hard that the prayer didn't go the way that we wanted it to. But until we get there, we won't understand that heaven and eternity with our Savior, Savior is the best. Amen? Hard for us here. I'm being just honest. So there's times that we pray for the sick and we pray for this thing or we pray for that thing. And maybe it doesn't work out. But sometimes, all the time, God's answer is always the best answer because he has better perspective. So interesting, we would meet with people. I can't remember if I already said this in this service or last service. But we meet with people. There's people in my life that have wisdom and they have uh, perspective. And I go to them and I, and I say, oh, you know, I have questions for you. And, and I want you to speak into my life because you have wisdom and you have perspective. But they only have earthly wisdom and earthly perspective. And we go to these people and we want this advice and that book and this kind of thing. How much more should we be going to God in prayer who has eternal perspective? Amen. So many times in my life, I've prayed for things, prayed, 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 prayed. God, God, do this, do this, do this, do this. And now years later, I'm so glad he didn't do it. And in the process of prayer, you just have to trust God's answer is the best answer. Amen. 
I love this. Most of the time, a closed door is as big of a blessing as an open door. Especially in the church world, we get real excited. Like, God opened the door for me. I'm so blessed. He, he opened that door and caused it to whatever. But sometimes God keeping a door closed is as just as much a blessing as when he kicks doors open for us. Oh, God, you spared me from that. You kept me from that. I'm so thankful for that closed door. Amen. We just have to get to a place in prayer that we trust that our Heavenly Father wants what's best for us. Amen.